Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's reading from Hosea, when Israel was a child, I loved him, but the more I called, the more they wandered away. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. For my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts your thoughts, says the Lord. This verse comes from the prophet Isaiah, and I think we would all agree that God's ways are not our ways, and that God never stops loving us even when we cease to love God. And this, of course, is what the book of Hosea is all about. It is about God's reckless and persistent love for the very people who routinely reject Him and wander far away. Now, there is a fancy biblical theological word for this process whereby human beings tend to drift, to wander away from God in search of things that they deem at the time to be a little bit more exciting, and that word is idolatry. The most famous example of this in Scripture would be that story from Exodus where Moses walks up Mount Sinai to receive the law from God only to return finding that the people have fashioned a golden calf and are worshiping it. And, you know, Moses, he is so angry about this that he takes the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments that God gave to him, and he smashes them to pieces. And then he basically tells the Israelites that they have done wrong, and the very specific word he uses to describe their behavior is that it is adulterous that they are basically cheating on God, that this is infidelity. Now, I share this little vignette with you only to frame today's reading from Hosea, a prophetic work composed to respond to a very specific question, and that question is, what is God's posture towards people who, spiritually speaking, metaphorically cheat. For the recipients of God's love who do not appreciate that love, who sometimes make light of that love, and who maybe even abuse that love. And so today, what I thought I'd do is tell you that story because I suspect that Hosea is not a biblical book that we're all too familiar with, and so I wanted to explore that with you. It begins... In chapter 1. Give you time to write that down if you're taking notes. And in chapter 1, God calls a prophet by the name of Hosea, and God says something very, very strange. Hosea, I want you to get married, and I've got just the girl in mind. Her name is Gomer. But then God says something a little concerning. Now, Hosea, there's something you need to know about this girl. She is going to cheat on you. 
She is going to leave you. She is going to break your heart. But Hosea, knowing all of this in advance, I want you to marry her anyway. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that God will often tell the prophets to do some very strange, troubling, symbolic things because symbols were God's way at the time of getting through to the people. Ezekiel, for example, cooked a meal over his own excrement to show the people how unclean they were. Jeremiah preached while holding a pair of dirty underwear, a symbol of how filthy he thought Israel's behavior had become. Isaiah preached naked for three straight years. Though to this day, there really is no meaning. Most scholars think he was weird. My point is that these are just a few of the dramatic, symbolic acts in the Old Testament that we find God using to get through to God's people. And so knowing this to be true about God, how might God choose to symbolically get through to a people that break God's heart by committing spiritual adultery over and over and over again well, apparently, by tracking down the prophet Hosea and asking him to marry someone that God knows will be habitually unfaithful. Welcome to the strange world of the Bible. And so Hosea and Gomer, they get hitched. And at first, you know, things are great. There is a honeymoon phase. But using a little creative reinterpretation, there's a little twist that happens in chapter 2. Gomer leaves Hosea, just like God predicts. She bounces from man to man, and each guy she clings to treats her worse than the guy before. And by the time we get to chapter 3, Gomer is sold as a slave, meaning that if Hosea wants his wife back, Hosea, the person who has been cheated on repeatedly, he will have to buy her out of slavery at his own expense to make a deep personal sacrifice to win back the very person who has repeatedly hurt him. Now, if at this point in the story we were to hear that Hosea leaves Gomer, we would all breathe a sigh of relief. And if Hosea were my friend, that is exactly what I would tell him to do. I'd say, you got to cut your losses and move on. Hosea, I think you married the wrong girl. This is not a healthy relationship. Counseling will not fix this. <laughs> Hosea, it is time to move on. But again, God's ways are not our ways. And so God and Hosea, they have a conversation about this. And again, taking a little creative license, here's the gist of what happens. Hosea is heartbroken about Gomer's condition, and he comes to God weeping. God, what am I supposed to do about my wife? She isn't faithful, and she keeps leaving me, and now I have to see her living like a slave. And so God asked Hosea, do you still love this woman? Even after everything she has put you through. And Hosea, his heart is so full of love that he nods yes as tears stream down his face. 
To which God responds, Hosea, I know exactly how you feel. Because after everything they have put me through, I also love my people Israel. And so here's what I want you to do, Hosea. I want you to do whatever it takes to get her back. And Hosea does. In chapter 3, we're told that Hosea buys Gomer back out of slavery for 15 shekels of silver. At enormous cost to himself, Hosea makes a sacrifice to win back the person who repeatedly hurt him. Now, who knows how the story ends, historically speaking. I like to imagine that they lived happily ever after, that Hosea's love changed Gomer's life, that in seeing she had been bought back, that this made her fall in love once again with her husband, and that they had a fresh start. But either way, whenever we read this story in the context of the Christian gospel, you and I are Gomer. And I say this not to make us feel bad, but in the biblical narrative, that is just who we are. The Bible often describes God as a jealous husband. We are the bride, and he is the bridegroom. But as the prophets like to say, from time to time, we can be a wayward spouse, and we routinely run away and reject God's love. Like the hymn we just sang goes, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's just the human condition. Like the prodigal son, we are prone to wander, to leave our father's house in search of a million different things we think will make us happy. And after all, the wandering and searching and running in circles leaves us broken and thirsty, and we think that all hope is lost and we've made a mess of our life, God shows up with 15 shekels of silver, and God says, come back home. I love you. I bought you back. Here's a ring for your finger. The calf's been slaughtered. The band's been hired. There's a party in your honor. I just want you to come back home. You see, whenever the New Testament says that through Jesus' death we have redemption, the word literally means to buy back. The idea of this particular biblical metaphor is that whenever God became human in the person of Jesus, that God entered a slave market, that God found people created in God's image living a cheapened life, enslaved by their desire for things other than God. And so God paid not 15 shekels of silver, but God spills God's own blood. God gives God's own life in order to bring us back home. I mean, isn't that the wonderful news of our faith, that no one ever loved people as recklessly and persistently as Jesus did. And no one loves us now as recklessly and persistently as Jesus does. In fact, as I like to think of the story, in the Garden of the Gethsemane, the night before Jesus died, I think that Jesus came to God weeping. And with tears streaming down his face, he asked God a question, 
God, what am I supposed to do about these people? They've rejected me. They don't listen to my message of unconditional love. They even want to kill me. What do I do? And so the father asks the question, do you love them? And Jesus, just being so full of love, says, I do. And in that moment, I like to think that Jesus heard a voice, a little whisper from his father in heaven that said, then do whatever it takes to get them back. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus does. He empties himself, he takes the form of a servant, and he buys us back. Before our birth, though we were always going to cheat on God in some way, we were always going to wander, we were always going to leave him, we were always going to break God's heart, and yet, he wanted to marry us anyway. For my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts, your thoughts, says the Lord. And so today, thinking about this story of Hosea and what it means for our life, I just want to pose a question. There's something I want us to think about this week. I think there was something about being bought back that I like to think made Gomer fall in love with her husband again. She knew she had a fresh start and I think Hosea's love, his unconditional love, changed Gomer's life. The question I leave us with this morning is, are we willing, and I mean truly willing, to let Jesus' love change ours? Amen.